Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Cave Across the Projects. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And uh, we've taken a pause uh, in uh, Frames Critique uh, to kind of let you get some water. Take a week. It took you a week <laughs> to get the water. And uh, now we're, we're coming back to uh, Frames of uh, getting into more of his critique of, of Vantillion's uh, version of, of Presuppositionalism. All right. So, so next we move into um, uh, the, the, the issue or, or the critique of absolute certainty and probability. And uh, uh, Frame goes on to say, but now becomes a Ventil's claim that there is an absolute certain argument for Christian theism. Uh, you know, what happens with that? And he seems to think that transcendental arguments, which are negative arguments, are absolutely certain. He says, but I have, I think, cast some doubts of on the clarity of these concepts and the legitimacy of Ventil's attempts to limit apologetics to these types of arguments, these, these uh, negative-only approaches. So then what becomes of absolute certainty or uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the thing that we're very scared of, of saying sometimes is, uh, well, it's probably true that this is the case. Yeah, yeah, of course, Ventil didn't want that, right? He didn't want right. probability. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, so uh, Frank tells us that certainty is, is, you know, a somewhat problematic concept. And, and then what he now goes through in this section is kind of three notions of certainty mm -hmm. that he's going to walk us through here. So the first one is certainty with regards to persons. And he says, you know, a presupposition is held with certainty. That's by definition, uh, since it's the very criterion of certainty, right? We kind of, if we presuppose something, we were suggesting that that's certain. Otherwise, why would we make that our foundation? <laughs> right. So, you know, besides the, the logical fact that believer is assured, he tells us, and he gets now uses scriptural confirmation for this claim, the believer is assured by the supernatural factor of God's spirit concerning both the truth of the gospel so the spirit confirms the truth of the gospel and his own relationship to Christ. Our relationship with Christ, you know, uh, bears witness with our spirit. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we indeed are a child of God. Mm -hmm. So we have that assurance with regard to the supernatural factor of God's spirit uh, working uh, with us, both on the message and on the person, the man that, you know, who has a relationship with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to remember too, that, uh, that, uh, frame doesn't really want to knock this. He's, he's a reformed, uh, uh, b believer. And so, you know, the perseverance of the saints, uh, there, there's, uh, a, a, um, a certainty that's, uh, available to, there to, to the elect and, uh, it's, it's made, uh, uh, known and, uh, recognized and, and, um, uh, the sanctification process is is a uh, direct result of of that uh, of that type of uh, of belief. But certainty with regards to evidence now is kind of a, a a different thing altogether. So certainty with regards to evidence, the word certain has been attached not only to persons but also to evidence. So I'm certain evidence is evidence warranting a certainty of belief. So, uh, but then when we talk about probability. Probable evidence warrants a level of degree of belief less than certainty. So you know you 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 uh, you think about uh, uh, heliocentrism and you you talk about the 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 planets uh, uh, wandering around in the sky. The, that's what planets uh, derive its name from, and they they kind of circle back on themselves. And so 
uh, you, you, you think to yourself, well, you know, I, I know for certain that there are these uh, spheres that, uh, that uh, are, are out and that they must follow. And going back in on itself is, is, is a weird way for uh, orbiting bodies to, to exist on. And so you have to have spheres within spheres and spheres. But the, the probable evidence of those spheres are, are not certain. They're, they're assumed, they're, they're, they're um, what you want to be the case until such a point in time where the, the model doesn't make sense and you have to account for uh, the, the, those, those uh, uh, weird wanderers in the sky mm-hmm. going back in on themselves. And then it becomes, yeah, I think they call them epicycles or something. Yeah, exactly. So scripture though, speaks of certainty of evidence that God has given us in his truth. General revelation is a plain and clear uh, that it uh, obligates a belief and obedience, leaving us without excuse. Going back to Romans 1, good old Romans 1. And John speaks of Jesus' miracles as warranting belief. And Luke speaks of uh, the convincing proofs that Jesus presented to the disciples after the resurrection. These are these are certain things. They're not, well, you know, it's probably the case that Jesus is standing in front of me. No, no, these, these are the things that are, are made known so that we are certain that uh, the, the, that our, our faith is not in vain, that uh, we don't need to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Uh, the, these are the reasons that uh, that God shows us uh, a clear evidence that uh, doesn't exist on the probability, and especially going back to Romans 1, all creation, everything in creation, uh, uh, lends all of us to being without excuse. The evidence for Christian theism, therefore, is absolutely certain or to put it in moral terms there is no excuse for disbelief yeah so uh so we have this you know uncertainty with regard to persons and you know with a presuppositionalistic approach that's kind of assumed right and and he says that that exists because of the holy spirit working on the uh, on the scriptures in our lives and also in our lives with regard to you know, bearing witness that we're children of God. So that's certainty with regard to persons. There's certainty with regard to evidence. And he says, you know, scripture speaks of the certainty of the evidence that God has, you know, given us uh, for his truth. And we look at he he gives us a few passages here that um, basically obliges those who are presented with uh, the, the, you know, the, the experience that they have. Uh, they're without excuse with regard to their um, uh, the certainty of God's existence. So that's certainty with regard to evidence. And he says, God gives us that. You know, we have we can be absolutely certain with regard to the evidence. The third kind of certainty then is certainty with regard to arguments. And now this is where he, you know, he kind of um, is not sure about this particular uh, uh, way to consider certainty, right? He says, we've seen this certainly can apply both to human beings and to evidence, but Van Til also applies it to argument. So what might uh, you know be meant by saying that absolute certain argument, an argument is absolute, absolute certain, something like that. Well, he says that we're inclined perhaps to assimilate the phrase to one of the other two uses, right? Either certain arguments uh, is one that either conveys certain evidence, right? That what he calls that objective certainty. Mm-hmm. So the argument, um, uh, you know, conveys objective evidence you know, of the case. So that's objective certainty. Or 
uh, perhaps, uh, you know, what we mean by the phrase, you know, certain arguments necessarily create certainty in the persons who hear it. And he calls that subjective certainty, right? And uh, so as to this second sense, uh, he, he points out that we saw earlier that no single argument is guaranteed to create certainty in all its hearers, right? Arguments are, you know, with regard to their acceptance, a person relative, we might say, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. What one person might accept as a good argument, another person may not accept. And it doesn't mean the argument isn't good. It just means that, you know, one person may accept it and another one may not, right? right. And so he's, so where he's going with this here is that uh, he's, he's going to question whether or not we can have, as a result of that, certainty with regard to argument. Right. Right. So, you know, the, the, this, uh, this idea of, you know, there's not a, a, a one size fits all for, for everyone, because if, if you consider like math proofs, yeah, you can explain and, and get to the nitty gritty of, of trying to explain the basics for these high level concepts of, of math and, uh, uh, proofs. But if the person is, uh, you know, only musically inclined or artistically inclined and, and, and they can't grasp the, the concepts of what you're, t- you're talking about, even if you're proving, you know, uh, whatever small, minute uh, 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 <laughs> equation that that hasn't been proven, but is kind of assumed for the sake of argument in a lot of things until, you know, uh, someone works at it for 70 years and just realizes, oh, I just needed a, a plus or a minus sign there and it'll, it'll turn it. That uh, might not be convincing to that person. And so so that's what uh, he's, he's talking about there. But he asked then, well, what of the object- objective sense? We may think that arguments convey evidence in the way we think of preaching conveying God's word. So uh, 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 an argument, therefore, is absolutely certain in an objective sense insofar as it is a clear communication of God's revelation. And so he says, Van Til tended to describe as absolutely certain uh, those arguments and only those that were presuppositional or transcendental in thrust and negative in form. In view of our earlier discussion, uh, Frame talks about of tag and negative form, he says that he would resist the restriction of that concept. Yeah. And so the question then is, is there any room for arguments that claim only a probability of right. being true, right? And he says that Van Til thought that, uh, you know, we claim in, if we do claim anything less than absolute certainty, then we're virtually admitting that God's revelation to man is not clear. <laughs> right. Again, he says, however, it is important uh, for us to distinguish between evidence, arguments and subjective certainty. Right. That is person certainty, right? the person being certain. And Van Til's point is strong in the area of evidence, which. Uh, frame suggests he agrees as well, right? God has given certain evidence of his existence and the resurrection and so forth, right? The evidence of Christian theism is absolutely compelling. Um, But, you know, it may not be described as merely probable, right? Mm -hmm. And so for for subjective certainty, again, we should note that God has provided the means for it in the large, clear areas of scriptural truth, but it sometimes escapes us in those or other areas. And so, you know, we, we can think about this as, you know, you read, you read um, Hebrews, uh, you know, you're, you read through the Bible and you're, you're going, oh man, I, you know, uh, 
I, I, I get why this is important talking about, you know, Jesus pre-existing, being higher than the angels. Okay. Uh, and, and faith is important, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I, I, I don't really see uh, the full aspect of it until I do, uh, you know, a really deep dive into what Hebrews is actually arguing and talking about how Jesus is a great high priest and how he fulfills uh, uh uh, uh, the king, the, 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 the priest and the sacrifice uh, all in one sitting. And uh, there's no reason to go back to the temple and, and the argumentation there. And so, uh, you know, the, the, these, uh, the, the, the scripture speaks truthfully, but again, this uh, subjective certainty that uh, we would have on him uh, only comes about through uh, uh, a sanctification process of, of the Holy Spirit um, uh, revealing it to us in the, in the time that, uh, that he does us sitting down and, and taking uh, the, the, the better response of, of maybe not reading the Bible in the year, but reading uh, a, a single book in a year and, and really trying to get it in. And so sometimes these, uh, these truths escape us in other areas. But our lack of certainty then does not sometimes lead us in all honesty to say, well, probably, uh, d- doesn't it do that? And so should we, should we be shying away for, from, from these type of arguments where we, we tend to, to, to not be absolutely certain and hammering it in, in every form, but to, to say uh, the word probability. And is, is, that, is, is that a wrong thing to do? Right. And so he, he suggests maybe an approach with regard to this notion of, of certainty uh, about, our, uh, you know, about an argument. And he says, one might describe as probable those arguments that because of their inadequate or incomplete presentation of the evidence, Failed to be absolutely certain, right? And so the inadequacy there then might be due to our sin, right? Uh, or uh, to a lack of understanding, right? And so here's his account then based on this idea of certain arguments and how that they can, uh, may not, uh, they may be good arguments, but they still may be probability, right? Because that's what he's getting at here. Remember, uh, Van Til slammed probability. We don't want probability. We want to be certain. Well, Frame is suggesting perhaps that's that's a little bit too high with regard to arguments. Yes, the scripture says certainty with regard to evidence. There is subjective certainty based on the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and our lives. But maybe we can't get there all the time with regard to a certain argument. And so his account is based on our failure with regard to arguments, perhaps. Maybe that's the thing that's causing arguments not to be certain. And so he gives us an account, he says, of uh, Christian fallibility, and he lists five uh, uh, notions here. He says, first, uh, you know, (laughs) we're not God, so we cannot (laughs) know anything exhaustively, even God's revelation. So Clearly, we may make mistakes or we may misunderstand. We don't know everything. Secondly, as sinners, we too repress the truth, just like the unbelief, right? So we might not get to all of the truth, and that might be um, making our, our argument less certain and and therefore more uh, leaning toward probability. Thirdly, in regeneration, that repression is overcome only gradually. So even after we have been regenerated and redeemed and, and uh, you know, God has worked in our heart to make us his children, it's still a gradual process, right? We call that sanctification. And then fourth, 
uh, even though we have a right to psychological certainty about the, you know, the base, basic truths of the faith, you saw that above, mm-hmm. it is always objectively possible that we can be wrong about the things that we take to be the case, right? So, you know, look at all the Christian denominations, right? <laughs> so, and then finally, he says, therefore, we ought to be humble. And that's the key here. That's what mm-hmm. he's after. Even about the knowledge we hold as certain. And so tags are humanly formulated arguments, and therefore, they're fallible. They can be, you know, you can make mistakes. And so to speak of probability, then, is to acknowledge that fallibility, even with tag arguments. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of his approach with it. Yeah. And, and this is not the only place that we should do it. Uh, if you look at uh, the confessions, Heidelberg or Westminster, uh, your church constitutions, I mean, m- most of those are deriving their their statements of faith from Scripture and they're 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 putting it in terms of of uh, where people are at using uh, the language of, of the majority of people in those areas. But even those ones will say we could be wrong about some of these things. And, and there's the, 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 the probability argument in there. And so if we're wrong about these things, the, 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 the reader, the, the, the person learning from this uh, should humbly go back to the scripture and check even the confessions. But I mean, uh, uh, Westminster, Heidelberg, all, you know, all these big confessions uh, are, are going to, 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 use scripture as the, 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 the basis for which they're deriving their teaching out of. And they're saying, look humbly, if we get something wrong, if, 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 if the failure is here, it's with us as human beings trying to express uh, in, in, a, in a way that we believe is best with these different confessions, hence one of the reasons for different confessions, uh, that even though they follow kind of the same path and the same mantra of, of, of Christian uh, orthodoxy, um, there's still a hesitation to say, uh, you know, th- this confession is the word of God because it's not the word of God. And so isn't, aren't, aren't, aren't even the confessions or your church constitutions or whatever, uh, statements of faith, aren't, aren't we still, uh, almost not hedging our bets, but we're, we're allowing for the human factor of, of this isn't one-to-one scripture. Therefore it's not God's divine word. Uh, uh, coming out in 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 full uh, full effect, and right. and we're saying uh, if if we are wrong, let 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 the damage be done to us. But uh, ultimately, we would go back to scripture, and and that's what we want to call people uh, back to. It's what the 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 preachers want to call back to, and uh, he covers uh, uh, that in the chapter as well. Of of uh, you know while while the preacher is is preaching God's word, we would be incorrect to say. It is God's word of what what the preacher is saying, but even a, a, a very good preacher will say, uh, "Open up your your scripture, check me on these things. If I'm wrong, let the failure be with me and not with God." And so, mm. we go back to our base assumption uh, there as well. All right, so now we have a strategic uh, sketch of, of what uh, what uh, uh, Frame has, has done here. So he's not done away with with tag. He's offering critiques of <laughs> of, of issues that that Ventil has, has, has brought up. And again, I, I think uh, uh, 
not that this is a late discussion, but this is a discussion that is important. It's it's something that uh, you know you you want to respond to. Uh, there should be articles written on this, uh, and and you know clearly they're out there. And it's not to say that uh, you know uh, uh, John Frame now has crumpled up the. The, the remnants of, of Van Til and, and his his kind, and we should, you know, dust it off to the wind and, and bring back the Kalam only. But no, he says he has a, a suggested step-by-step approach with a somewhat typical university people in mind. It would be something like this. And he, he goes on to lay out this this um, six-point uh, kind of approach that he believes that, uh, especially from a presuppositional point of view, we should look at. So the first two. Right. So, so why don't you go ahead on and take us to all six of these? Okay. So uh, the first one says that the universe is either ultimately personal, personal, or ultimately impersonal. Oh, well, there's, you know, there's a part of the, the Kalam fork there. Uh, so it's either personal or it's impersonal. If it's ultimately impersonal, it cannot justify rational discourse, including whatever you may be saying to me. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's there is no logic, and I'm going to use logic to prove to you that there is no logic. Therefore, if you want to carry on rational discourse, you must presuppose that the universe is ultimately personal. And he goes on then to point four and says only the Bible and the views derived from the Bible contain a consistently personalistic account of the world, and therefore we should give careful consideration to the Bible and assess its truth on the assumption that a personal God may have inspired it. So again, uh, to, you know, uh, to, uh, uh, try to reductio absurdum, even, even, even this, and, and assume for the fact what must be the case and what would follow from this. And here he says that we would probably find the best answer to uh, a, a, a universe in which a, a, a rational discourse is possible, and that comes from a personalistic uh, God. And then six, pray that God's spirit would open blind eyes to the truth. He says then that point one and two have been laid out in the discussion of absolute personalism in chapter two and points three and four, uh, uh, after, uh at the, therefore are the, the thrust of the transcendental arguments that he has developed in this chapter and will continue to develop in the next chapter. All right. So that's kind of his approach there. Notice it borders on a probability argument, quite frankly, right? He says, uh, you know, his conclusion, therefore, we should give careful consideration to the Bible and assess its truth on the assumption that a personal God may have inspired it. Notice, may have inspired it. So it borders here on a probability uh, argument. And uh, apparently he has no problem. Hmm. All right, so uh, he, we've kind of reached the end of the chapter. He's going to give us now some conclusions based on the things that uh, he uh, he has talked about, and he's going to suggest the the uh, uh, you know the idea of being a presuppositionless uh, at heart, right? Presuppositionalism and the heart. He says on the account that he's given of the transcendental uh, direction, negative argument, certainty, point of contact. There is less distance, he says, between Van Til's apologetics and the traditional apologetics than most partisans of either side, including Van Til himself, um, you know, would have uh, been willing to grant. He says that he's not at all saddened by this implication. Right. right. Yeah, we don't have to fight amongst ourselves. Let's fight other people. Yeah. <laughs> 
So he said that he would also conclude that the word probability deserves to be rehabilitated in reformed apologetics. We, we, we kind of bristle at that term and we say, oh, yeah, you know, is it possible that God, God exists? And we want a proof, not some pop probability. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and tag, uh, uh, uh from the presuppositional approach, uh, tries to tries to present that and he he is uh, critiqued uh, uh, that some he says we dare not concede that the evidence for God's existence or the justification for believing God's existence is merely probable to do that would be as Ventil says to deny the objective clarity of revelation okay so we're not doing that but he says to be honest we ought to admit that many of our arguments then are only probable they they they, they reach that threshold because we are the ones developing them. They're not, uh, they're, they're derived out of scripture, but they're not uh, um, explicitly stated, okay, here's God in the, in the uh, premise one, check, premise two. And there are times when he does that. And when we, when we pull from them, uh, you know, that, that's a different type of, of uh, uh, absolute argumentation. But here, our arguments then, uh, we should admit uh, that, uh, th- that, th- that our arguments that we present are only probable if only because there is so much room from error in their formulation why because we're sinful creatures who uh sometimes think incorrectly uh, uh cannot escape the confines of our our frail human condition and sin being a part of it and even though uh we're we're even the best redeemed uh people uh, uh can still falter uh in that area because uh we still exist in a world that is not uh, that is uh that is uh, broken from the bondage of sin, but we still exist in the world. We're uh, of the world and and in the world at the same time, and uh, we we can't escape from that. Right. And so, you know, why conclude? Well, then, how is Van Til any different than anybody else? How is his argument any different from anybody else's argument? Mm-hmm. And he says, well, you know, certainly that he has not removed all the differences between Van Til and his critics. The issue, for instance, of neutrality discussed, uh, you know, in chapter one. And still, he tells us a high barrier between the schools, uh, the two schools of thought. And on that matter, Van Til, he believes, is definitely right. Legitimate apologetic argument presupposes the truth of Scripture, and it renounces the idea of human intellectual independence or autonomy, right? There is no neutrality. We're not standing, you know, we're not, when we move to try to stand on a neutral ground, we've moved away from Scripture and therefore uh, you know, we are thrown out the Bible. Right. He says clearly that's not the case, right? So its aim, from a Vantillian perspective, and Vantil tells us, is not to teach some kind of bare theism, but to confirm the full riches of the biblical doctrine, including the teaching that God is the source of all meaningful predication. And so neutrality still remains a high barrier between the two positions. That's that's one area, right? So it may be no longer possible to distinguish presuppositional apologetics from traditional apologetics merely by externals, by the form of the argument, the implicit claim of certainty or probability and so forth. But perhaps presuppositional is more of an attitude of the heart, a spiritual condition that an easily describable empirical phenomenon. To call it spiritual is certainly not to say that it is unimportant, right? We, we don't want to just say, oh, it, you know, it's spiritual is a, if we're just hand-waving in a way, as, as uh, we do steam from, from a thought, but quite the contrary. Our biggest need in, uh, in apologetics, as in all areas of life, has always been spiritual at the core. Because mm-hmm. That's the, 
the unrevealed realm that uh, that we refuse to acknowledge that we we uh, we we initially suppress and 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 uh, go from there as Romans one tells us. All right. And so, you know, what is then this presuppositionalism of the heart that he's talking about? Well, he says it's not something that's vague and and indefinable, right? The presupposition that you're talking about has these various aspects. First, a clear-headed understanding of where our loyalties lie and how those loyalties affect our epistemology. Jesus is Lord. That's our loyalty, right? Secondly, a determination above all to present the full teaching of Scripture in our apologetic without compromise, in its full winsomeness and its full offensiveness. Third, especially, he says, a determination to present God as fully sovereign, as a source of all meaningful, intellectual, rational, intelligible, um, as well as the ultimate authority of all human thought. That's God in his full sovereignty. And then fourth, an understanding of the unbeliever's knowledge of God and rebellion against God, particularly, uh, though not exclusively, as it affects his thinking. And so he says that is, you know, that's the presuppositionalism of the heart, these mm-hmm. kind of notions here. Right, right. right. So uh, Frame is uh, definitely critique tag, and, and uh, n- now we all have to sink our heads lower as, as uh, we, we <laughs> ask people to, uh, you know, d- define their standards and, what are the preconditions for intelligibility? Uh, you know, we, we should have uh, definitely this presupposition of, of the heart as well. And of course, I want to make clear that we haven't covered everything in this chapter. We've less, yeah. left some things out for you to actually read about uh, because, uh, you know, the uh, long episodes make for, for uh, shorter attention spans in these days. And so um, th- there is a lot of, of items to cover here. And obviously we're not responding to, to everything. We're, we're presenting uh, even frames arguments. And uh, he has a nice little chart here at the, at the bottom. That chart of, is really, really nice at to, the end to, of this chapter. To yeah. show kind of the differences or the, sim- I mean, there's more similarities here than, than anything on uh, on Van Til's uh, idea of presupposition versus frame. And, uh, and, and so I think that's a, a really good uh, resource as well. Yeah, so what he does here is he gives the issue and then he gives Van Til's position and then his position. And many of them are the same mm-hmm. right, with regard to these various issues. Right. And he talks about nuance, really nice which we, 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 we hate that word today and we should never use it. <laughs> well, except for when it calls for it. So, uh, you know, we, same thing with winsome. It, it's okay to be nice sometimes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, next chapter is uh, we're talking about uh, theistic arguments, uh, but I think uh, we're going to take a pause because this was a, a big chapter, lots of parts. Uh, you know, we, we took uh, three or four episodes to, to go over it. And so uh, uh, I, I was able to, uh, uh, um, had the pleasure to teach uh, the high school uh, uh, group at, uh, at my church. And so, uh, for the next couple of weeks, uh, uh, you get to listen to me and only me talk because uh, every once in a while uh, we we need to have Tony, uh, you know, take a break and 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 <laughs> you, you just have to listen to me more, which is uh, in, entirely uh, a, 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 a proof that sin exists and you must uh, you must uh, take part in it. <laughs> Uh, so before we go in there, uh, there's a couple weeks there, and then uh, we'll start back up at chapter five for apologetics as proof, the theistic arguments. Thanks for. We'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you next time.